left a box of Kleenexes for me. <laughs> if you were here last week, you know what I'm talking about, you know. <laughs> I'd like to know who did that, by the way, just, you know, for fun. You know what a, a wonderful season we're in, huh? And we can focus on Jesus and uh, remember, remember the incredible things God has done for us. You know, whenever I come to, to preach, I, I trust that what I'm about to say becomes God's word to you because I'm speaking from God's word. And uh, I always pray in that fashion. So let's pray now. Let's just ask God to speak to each of us. Lord God, we gather together, um, and one of the things we wish to do here is to know the voice of God in our lives. Um, Lord, whether we really even know it, that's what we long for. We need to hear from you. We need to know your truth. We need to be impacted by it. We need to be changed by it. So Lord, as, uh, as I speak, I pray that you will bless what I say, that by your spirit, these words will come alive in the minds and in the hearts of the people who are sitting here. Uh, and that they, in these moments, will encounter you. So speak now, Lord, and uh, bless us, we pray. Amen. Well, we're a few days away from, from the big day, huh? The big day. One of the things I'd like you to think about just for a minute is, what's, what's going on inside your head? Where's your head at? I love the little phrase, where's your head at? What's kind of grabbing your attention and uh, causing you to, 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 uh, to think this morning? You know, it's very possible in a world which has taken Jesus out of Christmas, it's possible for us to do the same thing. It's possible for us, in a sense, even the followers of Jesus, to experience a godless Christmas, right? You recognize that? Like, it could be right now that where your head's at is, man, I, I got to get some more Christmas presents wrapped. Like, Chris, make it short so I can get home and I can wrap the presents. Somebody's getting nudged. I see. <laughs> not Harold? No? No, not, never be. Uh, some might even be saying, I, got, I still have to go and buy some presents. Anybody? Uh, it's, it's, it happens, right? It happens. Some people might be all about getting that turkey. Anybody still need to get a turkey? Oh, good for you. That's impressive. For some people, it might be about um, cleaning the house because you're going to have company in a little while. Huh? Yeah. Let's see those hands. You see, there's a whole lot in our world which can just fill our mind and our attention. There's a whole lot in this season which can just be pressing and demanding and a reality for us so much so that that's where our focus goes more than anything else. Maybe as opposed to Jesus. Now I ask you this because of another Jesus factor. This is the third of three. We talked about the day Jesus will return because he came the first time he will come a second and we will share in his glory. I mean, incredible moment that's beyond our understanding. What's it like to live the reality of this world without sin and evil? It's going to be an amazing thing. Last week we talked about Mary and how she completely and fully yielded her life to Jesus. And I challenge people here to do that. It's moving. It's powerful experience, at least for me, and I've heard from lots of other people because that's at the heart of this faith of ours. 
Um, I want to talk today about the third Jesus factor because Jesus has come. How do we factor him into our lives? What does it mean for us today? Well, I want to go to the, uh, the latter part of the Mary story in chapter 1 where because of her experience of God, she is overwhelmed with God to the point of a deep, profound, and authentic worship. And I want to challenge us this morning about this about whether we as individuals, about whether we as a congregation so experience God that we come to that place of a deep and profound and authentic worship of God in a similar fashion. Let me set the scene for you. The angel has come to Mary. That angel spoke God's word into her life. She has believed and she has completely and fully yielded her life, life to the Lord. She has conceived by the Holy Spirit so that she is now carrying the baby Jesus in her womb. She has gone to her cousin Elizabeth's home and she's been there for three months. There she has found evidence that, yes, what this angel spoke is actually true. My cousin who was unable to have a child is also expecting. Um, She has had this experience of God that is profound and real. And out of this experience of God in heartfelt worship, this song emerges from the core of her being, this song we call the Magnificat or Mary's song. And we're going to look at that today. Let me read to you in portions at the beginning and then as we go uh, into further detail, um, step by step by step to see what this experience of God produces in this young woman. So Luke chapter 1, 46 and 47 begins the reality. And Mary said, listen to this, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. I would suggest in that verse are the central critical elements of worship. The idea of glorifying God and the idea of our spirits rejoicing in God. And I want you to hold up in this series, hold up those verses to your experience in worship and see what happens. Let me just describe to you what the two realities are. The original text, it's, it's better translated in the English uh, uh, standard version. It says, my soul magnifies the Lord. That's, that's the first part of worship. We got to get to a place where we, where, where we, in the core of our being, magnify God. Now, what does it mean to magnify something? It very simply means to make something look bigger. That's step one. Uh, I thought I'd illustrate it by bringing this thing along. How many of you want one of these? Yeah, hit 55 and you're buying one. I'm telling you, if you don't have one now, they're coming your way. Because once in a while, it's usually on, you know, those medicine packages and the, like the writing is like incredibly small. I didn't think so when I was 20, but I do now. Um, I can't read them, even with these glasses that I have paid a ridiculous amount of money to own. I'll look at this thing, and if none of my kids are around, i got to go get this. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll put it over the, the package of medicine. Ah, the letters get bigger, and all of a sudden I can see them, and I can read them. My soul magnifies the Lord. You know what magnification is? It is simply making God bigger so that we can see him more clearly. But it's more than that. To magnify God means that we make him bigger so that in the end, we see the reality of who God is. We see the majesty of God. We see the immensity of God. We see the reality of God. And then we end up glorifying him. Because of what we see, 
you know, we elevate God in our minds. The Bible calls it exalting him. We recognize him, that he is above us. We esteem God highly. We come to this place where we give him glory. That speaks to the weightiness and the significance of the reality of who God is. You see, it is to see the reality of God and in the end, because of what we see, to be awed by him so that we worship him. You know, I think that is something we all need. All the time, isn't it? To experience God, to see his reality, become truly aware of, listen to the word, to become truly aware of how magnificent he is. You see, until we can see his magnificence, we're not going to really worship him like this young woman did. We're not going to be deeply moved to the point of pure and, and, and unrestrained worship in his presence. It's easy to know about God. It's easy to be in relationship with God. But to keep God small, now think about this. This is easy to do because if it's not Christmas trees and wrapping and gifts and turkeys and house cleaning, it's the job and it's the kids and it's getting the car washed and it's cutting the grass, right? Shoveling the snow, right? It's easy to have God in our lives, but everything here is prominent. He's somehow left over here and he's small. I want to tell you, people don't worship a small God. People do not worship a God that has not been magnified for them, so much so that they know who he is, and they fall on their knees in his presence and worship him as an incredible God. Now, what Mary has happened in her life is because of the experience that she has of him. My goodness, she magnifies him. She magnifies him. Verses 48 and 49. For he, listen to this, this is, what, this is what comes out of her experience that I just described to you of, of this young woman. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Can you see out of her experience how she came to that? See, what has happened in her life? Number one, she recognizes that God has been mindful of her. It literally just means that God has taken notice of her. Not much more than that. You see, she's not famous, and she's not powerful, and she's not rich. You know, she, she's a nobody. She's poor. She's unaccomplished. But God has noticed her, and he has favored her, and he has spoken to her. And he has called her to do this remarkable thing for the Lord. And I was thinking this morning, uh, Mary, and none of us for that matter, none of us are Brad Pitt or Austin Matthews or, you know, I'm trying to think of a raptor on the, on the spot. It's not coming to me. Kyle Lowry, right? None of us are those famous people. You know, Kyle, Kyle Lowry gets paid $33 million a year. That just that blew my mind when I heard that. We're not them. She wasn't them. But you know, in her simplicity and in her humility, God, the living God, came into her experience. And he spoke into her life. And, and she found favor in his eyes. And she was chosen by God to do something remarkable for him. And she stands back and she goes, wow. Like, why is that? She must have asked. Why me? I'm a nobody. But she realizes that God has incredibly blessed her and that he has done great things for her. You know? And again, think of them. Like, 
How many people in this world get visited by an angel like that? That's a great thing. God's word has been spoken into her heart and into her mind. She has been the recipient of the, of, of the Son of God into her womb, right? And this child that she bears now, ah, oh, this child will be the Savior of the world. And she is just in one of those moments where she is so aware of what God has done for her that she can't help but burst out in this song of praise. She can't help it. It, it bubbles up from within her. She also recognizes not only what God has done for her, but what he's done for everyone, but who God is. God has magnified himself in her mind and in her heart. It says at the end of this verse, holy is his name. Holy is his name. Let's read the rest of it, verses 50 to 53. He, God, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. You know, it's almost like she focuses in on what God has done for her life, and then she broadens the dynamic to see what God has done. And in a recognition of what God has done, she starts to see again and magnify even more who God is. You know, he is holy. This isn't holiness in the sense of moral purity. That has other uh, applications in, in different portions of Scripture. This is the idea of holiness, that God is this utterly unique, powerful, magnificent being who exists, but he is like no other. He is unique in the fact that he is God. And, and it talks about his being merciful. God hasn't come into her life and judged her. There's no judgment in what she's experienced of God. He has, he has shown her and he shows to generation after generation after generation the reality of mercy, mercy to his people as opposed to judgment. He is powerful, this God of power who scatters the proud and the powerful. The proud are nothing to him. The powerful are nothing to him. He brings them down. Think Pharaoh. <laughs> you know, think about that, that reality that she would have been so aware of. And she, he elevates the humble like herself and he satisfies them with good things see Mary Mary has, has recognized the reality of who God is he is being magnified in her eyes this experience of her has allowed her to see and know who God is and she ends up worshipping him you know who God is? And how big is God in your eyes? Those are big questions for us. It arises right from this text, doesn't it? To have a God who's over here while everything else is important and significant over here, we'll never end up worshiping her like she did. We'll never have that experience of just recognizing the majesty and the magnificence of God and our souls bursting out in song in his presence. It's just not going to happen. Do you know who God is? Do you know what God has done for you? And do you recognize his magnificence? Well, what happens as the text goes along, as we've seen, it, it, it talks about how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. This is worship. This is worship. You know, where we recognize who God is, and then there's this response that, that starts to 
bubble up from deep in our souls. It's joy. At the core of our being, a recognition that, that God is this God of, of, of excellence and we are excited in his presence and we delight in him and what he has done for us. She did. We delight in who he is. A few years back, I spoke to you from the, the passage where Mary uh, went to visit her, her sister, uh, cousin Elizabeth, and it says that John jumped in the womb as soon as Mary walked into the room. And there was joy. <laughs> And I told you that the, the Hebrew concept of, of joy is, is essentially that of leaping or spinning. And, and I defined it then as jumping up and spinning around. When you come to know who God is, that's what you want to do. You know, this is what King David did. Do you remember in the Old Testament when God had blessed and, and <clears throat> the Ark of the Covenant was returning to Jerusalem? You know, he, he danced before the Lord like with, with fervor and with energy and with passion, with joy because of what God was doing, because of what, who God was. And this is what's going on in Mary's heart. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You see what the Jesus factor is today, my friends, to so experience God, to have that profound experience of the living God to come to know him and to see him and understand him, both what he's done in our lives and what he's done in the life of this world, to see who he is, that we experience joy. Joy. And I want to personalize this for you. I want to track with Mary through this, this story. And it all starts with having, listen to me, it, it, it starts with having a profound experience of God. You see, without it, as I've said, there is no worship. Without the magnification, there is no spirit rejoicing as a result. And if nothing else here, I want you to see that because of her Christmas experience, because of Jesus in the womb and all that she had gone through, she has this knowledge of God. She has this knowledge of what he has done and who he is, and there is joy in her. That is what Christmas was for her, an experience of God. And I want to I march through what I've just told you about what she said of herself, and I want to apply it to your life. Number one, hear this. As God was mindful of Mary, I want to tell you he is mindful of you. Dwell on that for a few minutes, and it'll move you to worship. God is mindful of you. It just means that, that he takes notice of you. The Bible says before the creation of the world, he knew you. Pfft. Like, if you don't go... You're not getting it. Can everybody do that with me? One, two, three. God knew you before the creation of the world. He noticed you. And it's not because you're powerful or because you're a celebrity or because you're filthy rich. It's because of him. <laughs> it's because he has that capacity. It's because he recognizes you and he loves you. You know, God notices the humble, my friends. As a matter of fact, God opposes the proud. It says this in 1 Peter and in James, all quoting Proverbs. God opposes the proud but shows favor. There's that word that was applied to Mary. He shows favor to the humble. Who does God care about? Who does God's heart move toward? Those who are humble, that are here, not here. 
and he looks at us and he, lo he looks into our lives and he loves us and as he chose Mary, so he chooses us. I don't know why God chose me. I have no clue why he chose you guys. But he did. God had you in his mind before the creation of the world, and all of it, one day you were born, and he said, that one's mine. And then what did he do? He showed up in your life, not through the words or, or an experience of an angel, but through the presence and the work and the power of his Holy Spirit. And he began to work in your mind and he drew you to himself and he helped you to believe. He gave you the gift of faith. He opened your eyes to see the reality of this gospel thing that we keep talking about. And he convicted you of your sin and you confessed your sin and he called you into relationship with himself and he threw his arms of love around you and he began to bless your life. And he didn't act in judgment, he acted in mercy. Day after day after day after day, God acts in mercy toward us as opposed to what he might do. And there was a day in our lives, my friends, when God came giving us faith and giving us receptivity to himself as opposed to rebellion and resistance. And he came to dwell within us. What just happened? Is it this or... God dwells by his spirit in you if you are his. God. God dwells in you. He lives in you. His Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. <laughs> That's incredible. One of my favorite carols, O Little Town of Bethlehem, one of the verses in the latter part of the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. God, come down. Come into my life. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. You hear the power of those words? We hear the Christmas angels, kind of like Mary did. <laughs> the great glad tidings tell. And then these words, oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. What does that word mean? Very simply, you know, many of you. God with us. You know what you can say if you're a Christ? It's God with me. God with me. It's an incredible reality, an incredible thing. My friends, do you know what God has done for you? And do you take it from back there and place it in front of your eyes so that God gets magnified and becomes magnificent? And out of beyond that knowledge of what God has done for us, do we know who he is? Do you know who God is? Or is it sort of this just kind of general? Have you so encountered the reality of God? Have you experienced him by his spirit so that you know him, that you know he is merciful, that he doesn't judge you if you're in Christ and he never will? Mercy after mercy after mercy, blessing after blessing, generation after generation. This is God the merciful one. You know, he comes along and we recognize that he is powerful. Do you know that? You experienced it? Enough to deal with any of your problems which might come? 
Do you know that he has raised up the humble? <laughs> Do you know that he's done that in your life if indeed that's you? He has raised you up in Matthews and whoever else is down here. God has raised up the humble and he humbles the proud. Listen, my friends, he satisfies our hunger. It's not talking primarily about physical hunger. It's about the hunger of our souls. You know, we talked a month or so, about, uh, or so ago about the deep core needs that are part of every human being's life. Love and belonging and security and significance and purpose. And God comes along and he speaks in profound and powerful ways through his words so that we end up knowing, oh my goodness, because of an experience of God, not because somebody tells me about it, but because God speaks into our minds and into our hearts, because he is there, I am loved by God. Do you know it? Have you allowed him to satisfy your soul that way so that you don't need love from anything or anybody else? That you have belonging? You're never going to be alone, that you have security, you don't have to be afraid, that you have significance, that you are precious in his eyes, that you have purpose, first and foremost, to know him and then to serve him. See, my friends... Here's what I want to say to you, this whole thing about worship which grows in Mary's life to this point of, of erupting in joy happens because of her experience of God. And it is that experience of God that leads her to this profound understanding of God and this profound and joyful experience of worship. In the end of the day, my friends, it's this very personal and very real experience of God that is at issue. And I'd like you to think about this. Do you, have you, but also do you profoundly experience the presence of the living God? See, that's the Jesus factor. He's come. And we can know him, we can experience him. I want to tell you our experience of this authentic, joy-filled, passionate worship, worship is in direct proportion to our experience of the Lord. The more we experience God, the more we see God, the more we will worship God with passion, the less we experience God, the less we will know of Him and what He has done for us, the less we will worship Him. It's just a given. So I say to you, have you had that experience of God? Is it ongoing in your life? Is it what is, it, what is at the core of your faith? And I thought in my own life over recent years, what has been my experience of God? I want to tell you over the last 10 years or so, some of them very difficult years, but they have been experiences of encountering God profoundly. I don't say this to boast, please. It's just an example that I hope will nurture a hunger in your heart for more of God. Part of my journey has been, and I've told you about it before, a real experience of inner healing. Where I have, I guess is the way I can say it, I've just put myself in the presence of Jesus in my brokenness and my woundedness. And I have known the Holy Spirit of God so come into my life in specific moments and in places. And he speaks the truth of Jesus by his word. He speaks the truth of Jesus, not just into my head, but into my heart of hearts. And that truth expels the lie and I'm enabled by God to believe the truth, and I have been changed. 
And I could go through these core needs with you one by one after the other after the other. And I could tell you about experiences of God where I have gone from believing in God to truly believing in God and being blown away by the reality of God. Having, having an experience, I've shared it, but I'll just say it quickly, of, of, of being in England on my sabbatical in 2013, and I sat there with Scripture and an incredible book which was unpacking the reality of who God is, and I just closed my eyes, and it was like God was pouring His love. I could see it. I believe a work of the Spirit of God. God's pouring His love into my heart, and it was pure love. There was no judgment to the point of me saying, God, is this really you? Is this really you, God? And the answer is, yes, this is my love. Now you understand it. Now you've experienced it. Now you know it. And I want to tell you, my friends, that changed me. It changed me. And the idea that we belong. I have had so many experiences over this decade where I have learned to trust Christ. A problem arises in my life or in our church or whatever, and I just say, Lord Jesus, you've got to take care of this one for me because I can't. I have learned after all, you know, the majority of my life has passed. I have learned to give my problems to Jesus and I leave them with him. And you know what happens? Do you know what happens? It's like he takes care of it. It's like in ways that I would never imagine that he would do it. I see his presence and I see his power and I have come to know in my heart of hearts, I am not alone. And you know what? Because of it, I do not need to be afraid kind of the core issue in Crystal's life is one of security and security, peace or fear. And the fear has gone from here and the peace has gone from here and it's been like that. Unbelievable. I could go on. How many of you, we talk, I did a whole sermon series on this. Why am I talking about it again? But how many of you really believe to the core of your being that you have significance in this life? A lot of people, all right, a lot of people spend their lives trying to prove their worth and their value to themselves and to others. But there are moments in life when the Spirit of God shows up and He speaks to us and He tells us that we are the children of God and that we are precious to God. And we come to believe it and all of a sudden, we don't have to people please. (laughs) We don't have to prove ourselves to anybody because we have come to believe by the work of God's Spirit who is present in our life that I am the precious, beloved child of God. Inner healing, my friends, mediated through this truth of Scripture, exercised by the presence and the power of God. Do you experience the presence and the power of God in your life? See what I fear? I fear we have a church, and I'm just not talking here. I'm talking across North America, a church which we go through the motions, but somehow we've lost the heart of the reality, and the heart of the reality is what Mary experienced, being confronted by the reality of a God who loves her and who notices her and finds favor with her and calls her to be his own and gives her a place of purpose in the upper story of God. My friends, we have got to get back to that place as the Christian church where we are experiencing Jesus by His Spirit to the point that we are changed. How often do you have prayer dramatically answered? I'm kind of going after something here. Because I'm afraid too many people say not very often. I hope that's not the case. But I think in the lives of a lot of Christians, oh, no, I pray before I go to bed at night and give us our food and protect my children. 
How many times have you seen God step in in a powerful way simply because you asked him to? I'm thinking about a year ago, um, Benj and, and um, Brienne took their little girl to the hospital only to find, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, you probably know better and I should have checked. Mark and Barb here? Okay. Yeah, we all know they're skipping today, right? Sorry, sorry, just kidding. <laughs> Livy, right? Meningitis? And the doctors in London, you know the big wheels? They said there is, this is a serious form of meningitis and there is no way she will, if she survives, will escape this without permanent damage being done to her brain. Remember? And her parents got praying and her wonderful grandparents got praying and we got praying. We got passionate in the presence of God and we prayed for that girl's healing. And she recovered. And in the end, they took her to, for the testing of, of, of all, all descriptions. And in the end, there was absolutely no impact from that deadly strain of meningitis. None. Amen. You see, we can encounter the reality of God. We can see God work in our lives. My friends, we can experience the reality of God. This is the Jesus factor that, that so amazes us about what God has done for us and amazes us about who he is that all of a sudden God goes from there to here where he belongs because he's God and we are awed because he has magnified himself to us. So much that we fall before him and we worship with a joy that rises up within us that we can't contain. And my friends, that was Mary's experience of Christmas so long ago, and I pray that it can become our experience here today. I don't know where you're at with God. There are some people here who who might say, you know, I've never experienced that God that way. I've never had him descend to us. We pray, cast out sin and enter in, be born in me. But it could be today that you're sensing God really present here today in your life. You're sensing that this is something to the core of my being that I want. I want to tell you, you can invite Christ to dwell in your heart. You can invite Jesus to forgive you your sins, and he will, and from this day forward, he will treat you not with judgment but with mercy. And he will do great things for you. And he will call you into ministry so that you too can be part of his upper story. He can transform your life and you can experience him day after day after day. And all you need to do is get in prayer before the Lord and say, Lord, I want that. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Forgive me for my sin. From this day forward, I will follow after you. And all of a sudden, you've been reconciled to God by faith in Jesus. It's an amazing reality. That's an experience of God. That might begin something new for you. Others of you might have come to church all the time, but still what I'm describing to you is, can I use this word intentionally, foreign to you? It's something that you hear about in Mary's life. You might hear about in the Gillen's life. You might hear, oh, in the pastor's life, he encounters God, but I don't encounter God. I want to tell you today, you can encounter the magnificence of God. You can. Because God is real and God is powerful and God is able. Because God notices you and he favors you and he will show himself to you. That you might end up worshiping him with joy. To those of you who might be in that category, can I just encourage you from the bottom of my heart? 
from this day forward, just ask God to show himself to you. Ask the Lord for experiences of him that will leave you in worshipful awe. Can you imagine what this church would look like on a Sunday morning if all of you here had had a merry experience on Wednesday or Thursday or Friday, and you, were, you walked into this place <clears throat> and you started telling one another if you chose, you wouldn't believe what I encountered of God this week. You wouldn't believe what God did for me. You wouldn't believe how he blessed my life. And you wouldn't believe what I've come to understand of him. And then we started to sing some songs. I'm telling you, we'd raise the roof, right? Because we would be awed. Awed by the reality of who we knew God to be. See, this is what we're called to, my friends, the Jesus factor. Christ has come that we might encounter him, that we might experience him, that we might worship him. Others of you here, I suppose, know exactly what I'm talking about. Good job. <laughs> Keep it up. Keep pursuing him. Keep seeking him. Keep living in relationship with him. Keep putting yourself in his presence that he might reveal himself to you and leave you in this place of worship. My friends, I, I, I just want to ask you, how do you respond to this sermon? Is there a longing in your heart for more of God? If there is, and I'd say the Spirit of God has moved here today. And even in this place, you've encountered him. But I say, seek him with all your heart until you come to these experiences of the living, powerful, majestic, magnificent, merciful, and faithful God. You will be left as a joyful worship, worshiper of that God. And your life will be changed. Let's pray. Lord, today I recognize we're all on the journey at some point. Some of us not even into the faith and considering it. Some of us new to the faith. Some of us being in this faith of, of ours for many, many years. Some of us, Lord, who know the profound experience of, of, of encountering you. To know what it means to be in your presence. and To be overwhelmed with your goodness and your majesty. Some of us who have yet to get there. But God, my prayer is for these people. Number one, that you will give them a hunger for more of you. That you will give them a deep desire to move toward you in greater fashion. That they might encounter you in your majesty and in your beauty. God, for people who have yet to step into faith, I pray that you'll give them grace. And I pray that you'll just enable them to take that step and to invite you into their lives and to confess their sin before you and say, Lord Jesus, I'm yours. From here on, we're going to do life together. Lord, for the rest of us, those of us who are in the family of God, God, I pray that we, myself, these people here today, will experience you in greater and greater and greater measure so that we are left as people who are joy-filled, passionate worshipers of you. Holy Spirit of God, do your work in us. Move us forward in this faith. 
allow us to know the, your reality in our lives. God, allow us to know <clears throat> your reality in our lives. And this we pray in Jesus' name.